Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. I am really excited. I really love this, this moment we're in as a church. I love the value that we're highlighting in family. And this whole saga, this whole series is really inspired by Genesis 1, where it says, let us create mankind in our image. Male and female, he created them. And then he blessed them and said, the first words out of God's mouth, what were they? Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. All of that is talking about babies. Have children. There's only one way to do that. And today, we are talking about that thing. So, yes, we will keep it PG, don't worry. But we are going to talk about God's design for sex. And we're going to keep it where everybody can approach it. But we are not going to shy away from the truth of it. And before we jump into it, I want to give you the, the bottom line here, okay? The key principle today is this, that marriage actually displays Christ in the church. Marriage purely displays Christ and the church. Therefore, we have to remove all sexual impurity from among us. Because marriage purely displays Christ in the church, we have to remove all sexual impurity. Yes, we do. Amen. Okay. The whole point of this thing is that we would see family as God's starting point for bringing heaven to earth. That whenever God wants to do something, he starts with a family. He starts with a man and a woman. And he wants to birth it, literally birth it physically and spiritually through family. Amen? Amen. Amen. Awesome. I'm going to pray because... Yeah. Yes. Lord Jesus, help me. Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you that you have a way for us. Oh, every time I pray that, I'm so thankful. Like, God didn't leave us to figure this out. He has a way. There's a plan. He, he outlined it. You, you gave us the blueprint, God. Oh, we're thankful. Is anyone grateful? We don't got to figure that out. We can just follow it. So, Lord, I pray for grace today. Grace to follow this thing. And I pray, God, for a shame-free zone right now in Jesus' name. I pray that every hearer would only hear the voice of their father, and they would not hear any other voice, that the voices of their past would shut up right now, that the voices of past trauma would be quiet. Lord, we thank you for a grace bubble right now. We thank you for great grace. And God, I pray for the speaker this morning, that there would be great grace in him as well. You should amen this. This is for you. I pray for him that he would be an oracle of the Lord, like it says in your word in Timothy, that anyone who speaks, let them speak as an oracle of the Lord. God, I pray for your voice to be heard within my voice, and that we would hear our Father speaking to us, showing us the highest ways of living. Father, help us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here we go. I warned you at, at week one. I did warn you at week one. That week three, we'd be talking about this. I thought about warning on social media, but I didn't want that to be weird. I didn't want people to not come because, of, you know, we're talking about that. I didn't want people to be here because we're talking about that. I thought that'd be awkward. So, you know, <clears throat> anyway, here's the title of my message, and it's really the whole point of my message, is that gospel purity requires sexual purity. For our p- gospel to be pure... Our sexuality has to be pure. The Bible links this 
over and over and over. The presentation of his purpose is linked with purity when it comes to sexuality. It is. And I know that there's, this has been a principality in Tampa Bay, in churches and businesses, and every, every sphere of life seems to be deeply affected by sexual immorality in Tampa Bay. It's this principality. It's been here for a while. It's been here before you and I were here. All right? And I'm saying it's not going to be here after we're here. Amen. It was here before us, but it ends with us. I just believe we can do this kind of stuff. Like we can build new foundations for generations to come. We're here for peace to reign, not just in our lifetime, but for generations to come. All right. I think you're with me. So this has been a principality in Tampa for a long time. Sexual immorality is actually the main device of the enemy against the church. Why do you think that is? It's because it's the first thing God talked about. It's the first thing God chose to say, and the enemy was listening. Oh, you want to talk to him about that first? That must be really important. And then he goes, I'm going to pervert that. So you might be a little squeamish right now, thinking we're going to talk about perversion. We're not. We're going to talk about the pure version. Because there is a pure version to this thing. In fact, there's a pure version to every perversion. And the church has historically just been talking about perversion. And not even modeling or showing or championing the pure version. Not outright. We're outright against something more than we're for something when it comes to this subject. Are you with me? And we're going to be for something. And it has to happen. It has to be real in us. And I'm going to start with extreme humility before all of you. Many of you know my story. But I'm telling you, gospel purity requires sexual purity. And for 10 years, my gospel was impure between 2003 and 2013. I was a worship leader addicted to pornography, an addict. I'm talking 8 to 12 times a day I would view that stuff, every day. I was addicted, bro, like needle-in-the-vein addict, okay? And I was still trying to advance the good news. I was leading worship. I was going on mission trips. I was doing all the good Christian things. And you know what? I was frustrated with everybody else's lack of response. I was. I was frustrated. I'm like, why aren't you? They don't care. They don't want to worship. It was really me. My gospel presentation was impure. And they didn't know. No one knew. But I'm just owning my own issues here. And I'm telling you, praise God, the Lord set me free from that in 2013. Like, set me free, man. Like, Jesus came in my, my bedroom and delivered me, all right? And that was the end of it. Hallelujah. Come on. It can happen for you, for anyone you know. I'm telling you, it's real. That happened. I'm grateful for my deliverance. But I'm not going to stand up here like from some ivory tower and be like, I've never struggled with anything like this. I was a worship leader. I, I mean, <clears throat> it's funny. I'm leading worship today. Uh, I don't normally do that again, but it's just like the Lord. It's like coming full circle. I, don't, I didn't connect that till the 9 a.m. I was like, oh, you ah, had a plan, and I should stop complaining about being tired this afternoon. I'm already planning to complain. <laughs> So I should just stop that. God had a purpose. <laughs> Anybody else do that? You plan to complain? <laughs> oh. I had a pastor growing up that used to say from the pulpit all the time, he said, uh, confession is good for the soul but bad for the reputation. So there it is. I don't know. Here it is. It's good for my soul. God delivered me from an impure gospel. He delivered me. And I am, I am so grateful for that. I am so grateful for that. Today, I need you to know I am addressing the Capital C Church with as much humility as possible. That's why I'm starting that way. 
with all the humility in my heart, gospel purity requires sexual purity. It requires it. It's time for God to send his fire of purification on our gospel. It's time for the fire of God to purify our good news. And the way he's going to do it is by purifying what we watch at night. Purifying our thoughts. Purifying even the way we engage with temptation. Because temptation is all around you. It's going to stay. You're the one that needs to change. Many of us are praying for temptation to end. And God is like, I promised it would be there. You're asking for God's promises to be null and void. It's not going to happen. Temptation is going to remain. Graham Cook says it this way. He says, life doesn't get easier. We get better. So we got to get better. And if you start thinking of other people or I think I'm talking to someone else, good, good news for you. Ready? I'm not talking to anyone. I'm talking to you. You think I'm talking about somebody? You're right. It's the person in your chair. That's who I'm talking to. You got it? So before you start projecting or pointing fingers, I'm talking to you. Yes, I am. I'm going to make an intentional effort to look everybody in the eye this morning, every single one of you. But I do not want any voice of shame or condemnation, any of that. I want the healing power of God to come because we need to be healed. I was delivered 10 years ago from pornography. It took a lot more than that moment to heal me. There was damage. I can't even say I'm completely, totally healed yet. I'm saying I've come a long way. I have incredible healing, the Lord. But we're going to talk about it. I needed to be healed. I was delivered, and then I was healed over time. Okay, so there's no condemnation here for anyone. This is a house of honor for everyone. Say everyone. We honor everyone. So anyone you're thinking about, you or anyone else, there's honor for them today. Coming from this stage right here. No shame. We say shame off of you in Jesus' name. Now I'll start my sermon. (laughs) That was the intro. I did a lot of work on that right there. Are you ready? All right. My whole message is just like one-liner, passage of Scripture. One-liner, passage of Scripture. The whole thing. So just here we go. You ready? Number one, we cannot imitate God and practice sexual immorality. It is impossible to do those things at the same time. Cannot imitate God and practice sexual immorality. Ephesians 5, 1 through 3, that's what it says. It says, therefore, be imitators of God. As beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Must not even be named among you. That's a tough line. That's the easy one. There are more tough lines coming. Started with the easy one. How do we imitate God? How are we his beloved children? How do we walk in love just as Christ did? How are we a sacrifice to God? Sexual immorality isn't even named among us. That's how. That's how. Why? 
Because it's the fabric of societal everything. It's the fabric of how God wants to lift up the world into higher things. Our sexuality, the way we approach each other and that, the way we talk about this, is the thread that goes through every single circumstance, every single culture, every single time period, every single season. This is a main issue and a main, really a main tell of how useful we will be. Why? Because if God wants to do anything, he starts with a family. There's only one way to start a family. Have sex. In the sight of God, sexual intercourse is union. It's marriage. I don't want to share that, Lord. (laughs) I'm singing a song to Jesus because I don't want to share it. Oh, God. (laughs) This did not happen in the 9 a.m. All right, so in Hebraic culture, a marriage ceremony would have an open tent. Just, okay. They would have an open tent. Some of you are going to feel so squeamish about this, but they've got it right. All right. They'd have an open tent, and the husband and wife would make their vows to one another, and then they would go in the tent while the rest of the family waits outside. No joke. The tent was open on the top. Because they would throw the bloody sheet over the edge of the tent to prove the marriage has been consummated. It's the reason for a hymen. It's the only reason. There's no scientific reason except that it's a blood covenant. There's no scientific use for it except for that. So they would say, blood was shed, we are one, and then guess what would happen? The party would begin. They would not start the party until it was consummated. In the West, we got it backwards. You know, somebody says their vows, we have the party, and then they go off on the honeymoon. No, no, no. The honeymoon starts, and then we have a reason to party. That's literally how it goes. So we've got it switched. Oh, parents, please don't get mad at me. This is like a feeling. I don't want to cause too many awkward conversations, but maybe they're good ones you need to have. We cannot imitate God and practice sexual immorality. We need the pure version. In order to imitate the Lord, we have to be walking in purity in this. We have to. And marriage is sacred to God. He really cares about it. And he's angered when it's defiled. He is made angry. You know, the one thing God is slow to do? Become angry. You know what will get him angry the quickest? This. Defiling marriage. That will set him off. Hebrews 13.4. Not my opinion. It says, let marriage be held in honor among all. And let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. That's in the New Covenant, New Testament scriptures. That's this side of the cross. What is judgment? It's a removal of his blessing. He's not going to bless sexual immorality. He's not going to bless the marriage defilement of the marriage bed. He's going to remove his blessing. That's judgment. It's not striking you down and killing swaths of people and things like that. Judgment in the new covenant is, I'm not going to bless you now. And believe me, 
that's pretty bad. <laughs> when God's hands of blessing come off, I say, nope, I can't bless that. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't forsake you, but he will not bless you. Point number three. Just going to keep saying the things on my iPad and reading the passages. These are reasons. Here's the reason. Sexual immorality actually breaks us from the inside out. All other sin breaks you from the outside in. Sexual immorality actually breaks you from the inside out. You know, sin leads to death. You know, sin pays a wage. God gives a gift, but sin pays a wage. Sin pays you death. So if you sin, even though you're one with Christ and you're on this side of the cross and you're saved, you're still heaping death on yourself. You understand? So all other sin is heaping it this way. Sexual immorality is heaping it from the inside. Let me just uh, define sexual immorality for you before we go any further. It's any sexual activity that's not with your spouse, between a man and a wife. Any sexual activity that involves a third party who's not your spouse. So that means if you're single, you don't have a spouse, there should be no sexual activity. None. Zero. That's what that means. It will break you from the inside out. It will cause damage that you need to heal from. And God is not shaming anyone. God is not, I'm not up here saying, how dare you? I'm saying, there's a better, higher way. And my job is to call you up to it. I'm going to read the no-no verses. Here they are. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 20. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Meaning you won't be able to walk rightly, you won't have peace, and you won't have joy if you're walking in unrighteousness. It'll rob you of your peace, rob you of your joy. It'll cut you at the knees from being able to walk rightly. That's what it means by inherit the kingdom of God. This is not a salvation passage. This is not talking about salvation. It's talking about walking in the kingdom now. Okay, I need you to hear what I'm saying because these scriptures have been abused. They have been abused. What does Paul say the kingdom of God is? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You will not inherit righteousness, peace, or joy in the Holy Spirit if you practice unrighteousness. You practice these things. That's what he's saying. Are you okay? Okay. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters. He puts sexual immorality before idolatry. All the prophets going, cast down your idols. And like, there's idolatry in the church. There's immorality in the church. And that's more important than idolatry, apparently, to God. Woo! <laughs> I'm just re- I, it's, I didn't write this. Just so you know, I didn't write this. <laughs> Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Hello. You were that. You were one of those things. Amen. You know what revile means? It means to grumble. Those who grumble against God. Has anyone ever grumbled? 
Uh-huh. Against God. Yeah, today. Okay, yeah. What does it do? It keeps you from inheriting the kingdom now. Jesus has forgiven your sin. You accept him, your sin is forgiven. But walking in the kingdom requires something. Such were some of you, but you were washed. Come on, somebody. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That's who you were. That is not who you are. So stop trying to be what, stop trying not to be what you were and simply be who you are. He goes on. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. It's like whatever it is. Like if you need Facebook to go to sleep, you're being dominated by something. Okay? I mean, anything. And he says, food is meant for the stomach and stomach for food. He's quoting a proverb. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. Your body can't take it. You need to understand that your body is not meant to engage in sexual immorality. It's not designed for that. That's why it hurts. That's why it causes so much division, so much catastrophic pain. Because your body can't take it. Somebody's got to tell you about this. Uh. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. Because people want to, uh, no, yes, no, yes, no. Okay. I don't know. Hold on. I only listen to one voice. It's okay. I love you. Thank you. I appreciate the encouragement. <laughs> Changing your voice doesn't help. Thank you. <laughs> I love you, Matt. You're amazing. Yeah, we're going to save that for later, maybe. All right. I don't feel the green light, so I'm going to wait. It's just better to wait. Here's the truth. The will of God only gets stronger. The will of man only gets weaker. So if that's the will of God for me to share, it'll get stronger. Don't worry. We'll get there. <laughs> God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Amen? Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is written, the two shall become one flesh. Family first, man. This is how God sees it. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. The church has to stand up once again and say, flee from it. And flee isn't just a bass player in a band, all right? It's uh, running fast away. No, no, okay. Yeah. I couldn't help it. I have to make you laugh in these moments. It makes me feel better. We have to run with haste away. You get tempted, run. Don't walk, run. Flee. Every, here it is, every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But sexual immorality, the, the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. 
the thing I was going to say earlier, I'll say, I'll say it now. People talk about your spirit is saved, but not your body. No, Jesus saved all of you. He saved the whole thing. I understand we're in process. We need to be healed. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying your body is his too. It's not just spiritual. It's physical. What you do with your body matters. Why do you think I have you raise your hands at the beginning of these gatherings? Why do you think I have you say with your mouth, thank you, Jesus? Because what you do with your body matters. It's partnering or not partnering with the Holy Spirit. Your body is always partnering or going against the move of God. Your body matters. And sexual immorality breaks us from the inside out. It breaks you. And what father would actually just sit there and let his kids hurt themselves like that? This is why there's judgment for this. You know what? Ju judgment is removal of, of the blessing. But it can also be getting in your way. Listen, if my children are in my front yard, we live by a busy road, and they start running for the road, headlong into traffic, cars coming, all this stuff, and they're just running, how loving would it be for me to be like, oh, I don't want to hurt them by shouting? No, I, my first reaction is, stop! And I don't sound very loving. Stop right now! If they don't listen to that, guess what's coming next? Stop is, I'm not blessing this. Stop that, I'm not blessing that. You know what comes next? Wrath. I'm tackling that six-year-old, you understand? He might get a broken arm, but at least he lives. That's the wrath of God. Judgment removes the blessing. Wrath gets in your way. It says, you will go no further. And you're like, oh, God is love. Yes. And what father would love their children by letting them run into traffic? No true father. It's the same with this concept. He's saying to you, stop. If you don't listen to the stop, he's going to get in your way. And it's going to hurt. But you'll live. You will live and not die. And you will tell of the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. We have already been raised from the dead. Do you understand? We've been raised from the dead, so we should act like it. People who are raised from the dead don't want to deal with death anymore. Don't want to handle death anymore. We don't like it. Did the death thing. Don't like it. Bought the t-shirt. Don't wear it. You know? Are you hearing me? Like, and sin, you know, the wages of sin, I said already, is death. So people raised from the dead should not be playing with death. They shouldn't want to. And you, I'm not here to make you question your salvation, but here's the good news. When Jesus comes on the inside and unites your spirit to his, he kicks the old one out. And you're a new creation, and you can't sin like you used to. You can't go around being what you were. You are something different. And it's absolutely natural to act like yourself now. And the church has taught you it's not natural to be holy. It's natural to be sinful. That is antichrist heresy. 
It is natural to be like your father. You carry his DNA. You've been united with him by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is more powerful than fallen spirits of hell. The faith of the church for the devil to get him is higher than the faith of God to keep him. Oh, we're so tempted. It's a sexualized world and culture. You're not of this world anymore. Something happened. And if nothing happened, get saved. I don't mind saying it, man. We're not running a country club. This is not a hangout. This is a holy habitation of God. And you're invited to contribute. And you're invited to walk in righteousness, peace, and joy. If you come out of that, you'll never come out of it by your own effort. You tried and you failed. He has to lift you out of the pit. He has to bring you out of darkness into its marvelous light. And those who are in the light should not even be named as sexually immoral. It should not be named among you. We've been raised from the dead. We should act like it. I am preaching. I got like the spirit of Pastor Abraham coming on. I just felt that. Colossians 3, 1 through 10. It says this. There's an if. Colossians 3, 1. If, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Oh, wait. I thought, I thought if I'm raised from Christ, I'm just, it won't even, there's no effort. It's just good. I'm just, no. There's something to do. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. That's not legalism. It's a good idea. Okay. If you've been raised to Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, past tense, your old man's dead. Your life is hidden with Christ, present tense, right? And when Christ who is your life appears, future tense, you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore. Put to death, therefore. You, no, you're you're dead. Put to death the actions of the old. Put to death what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, the first one on the list. Impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. By the way, slander is one of the most like, socially acceptable things in the church. So much slander. If, you don't, if you're not talking to the person that you are offended with, stop talking. Because you know what you're doing when you're talking to somebody else about the person you're mad at? You're slandering that person. On account of that, the wrath of God is coming. Okay, that was a little commercial break. (laughs) Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self. Hello? He reiterates it. Seeing that you have put off the old self and have put on the new. It already happened. And the new is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Your new self is being renewed, not your old self. That's a mystery, I know. We're not, I don't have time for that. But the point is, you've been raised from the dead. 
you should walk as those who have been brought back to life. And the first thing we put down is sexual immorality. You know, this is like the one distinguisher of the true church of Jesus and the rest of the world. Like, it's the distinguishing thing. And we're not that distinguishable lately. It's a problem. The Lord is putting this house in order today. And we get to choose what kind of people we're going to be. Healthy marriage union displays the mystery of Christ and the church. It's in Ephesians 5. Let's read it, 22 through 33. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Say amen, ladies. Okay. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we're members of his body. You notice how much more he had to say to husbands? The church loves to shout, wives submit. And we whisper, husbands die. It's the best kept secret in the American church that husbands are supposed to die for their wives. I'm here to die for that woman. That's what I'm doing. I'm not perfect at it. I want to get better every day. Guys, you want to get married? Get ready to die. I got one amen. <laughs> Two, three. Amen. Why? Because gospel purity requires sexual purity. There's no getting around it. I mean, I just read you a bunch of scripture. It's not even all of it. I'm just stopping there. The Lord let me stop. I'm like, Lord, please. Can we just? He's like, yeah, that's good. Like, okay. Lord, have mercy. But God wants to purify the gospel of his church. Wants to purify it. He wants to forgive and cleanse us. So you need to hear this. 1 John 1, 5 through 9. This is John the beloved, the one who put his head on Jesus' chest, okay? He said, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Here's the good news. Where are you? When you say yes to Jesus, where do you get put? I said it, I read it earlier. Your real life is what? Hidden in Christ. You're in Christ. And in him there is no darkness. So you can't be darkness. You can act like darkness. But you can't be darkness. Not if you're in him. Because in him there is no darkness. Somebody's going to get this. Okay. You, I know, you can act like a gorilla all day long. Walk like a gorilla. I saw a video of this guy, like, he stood and he just walked like a gorilla. He looked like a real, like, gorilla. It was crazy. I was like, my, my mind almost couldn't comprehend it. I'm like, that's a, no, that's not a gorilla. It's just a human acting perfectly like a gorilla. I know you got hair. I know it's kind of like some similarities, things like that. But you are not a gorilla. No matter how hard you try. No matter how long you act like one, 
no matter how often you act like one. Right? You are not a gorilla. What are you? You're a child of God. You're a human being. In the same way, you can act like darkness. Walk like darkness. Talk like darkness. That's, you, you have that choice. But you can't become darkness. Because in him there is no darkness. Like, well, if that were true, why, why would I act like darkness? Ding, 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 you win. You made the conclusion. If I'm in him, there's no darkness in him, why would I act like there is? The problem is we don't actually believe that we're in him. The problem is we don't believe that he's in us. And it's not about believing harder so that you get rid of your struggle or you get rid of temptation. No. It's about resting in the fact that this is who he's made you to be and you're learning to act like yourself. You're not trying to not be something. You're just learning the new you. Amen? It's important. In him is no darkness of all, at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. What is fellowship? It means face-to-face we're talking, we're connecting. You're not connecting with God when you're walking in darkness. Right? I mean, you're just not. The last time you sinned and liked it, hopefully, was before you got saved. I've never found a Christian who's like, oh, yeah, I love it. After I realize I've sinned, I give Jesus a high five. Not a single person, no matter what their theological makeup. No one's ever claimed that. Why? Because something's happened on the inside. And you, on, in your insides, you want fellowship with Jesus. You do. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. That's not an excuse to keep on sinning. Some people use it that way. I can prove it to you. Chapter 2, verse 1, the literal next verse after these says, If any one of you sins, we have an advocate with the Father. I write these things to you so that you would not sin. But if any one of you sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus. That's chapter 2, verse 1, okay? Sorry, just had to defend that for a second. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The kingdom of God is the only courtroom where confession makes you clean. Jesus' courtroom is the only place where when you confess, you're sent free. Every other courtroom, you have to defend yourself. You have to make a case. You have to argue. There's no argument. You confessed. You're free to go. That's good news. Don't I have to, like, you know, do some, like, community service? No. You'll do that by default. Don't worry. (laughs) Well, don't I have to go pay for all the mistakes? No, I already paid for it. I just get to go free. It's called the gospel. It's the good news. 
The Lord is like drawing a line in the sand, y'all. We got a word from uh, one of our overseers, my pastor, James Dodsway. First time he was here, he was standing right there where Abraham's sitting. He turned to me and he said, thus says the Lord. And this is a man who doesn't say that kind of thing. He's I feel like the Lord's saying, I have, I have this sense. Just judge, I submit this to you. He looked me right in the eyes and it scared me. I've known him for years. I've never heard him talk like this. He said, thus saith the Lord. I'm like, <laughs> you know, it was intense. And he goes, the resting place, Tampa. He said, the resting place, Tampa. So this campus, he didn't say the resting place. He said, the resting place, Tampa, is the rudder of the ship of the church of Tampa Bay. Where you go, they will go. What you do, they will do. That's all he said. I'm like, <laughs> that's really big deal stuff. So where are we ruddering the church? You understand you're a part of this congregation. You're grafted into that word. What you do at home matters. That's not talking about a worship gathering. That's not talking about, you know, meetings. and things. That's talking about the people. We are the rudder. I, I just took that word as a word from the Lord. I just did. It's sobering. But it's also exciting. Because I hear an opportunity knocking. We can lead Tampa into purity. It's possible. Peace will reign. Because we choose it. And we choose to serve the Lord, glorify him with our bodies. Amen. Let's stand. I'm just going to stop. Feels right. Stop. We're going to have our prayer team come forward. If you're here and, and you have something to confess, this prayer team is here. We have men and women down here. I invite you to confess your sins to one another, like James 5 says, that you may be healed. These people down here, I can vouch for these people. They're my friends. They're my friends. They are a safe place of confession right here. A safe and sacred place of confession. They're not going to do a big counseling session. They're not going to, you know, go home with you. But you can come and confess. Amen? Amen? And you can be healed in that. Husbands and wives, listen to me very carefully. Become a safe place of confession for your spouse. Become a safe place of confession for your spouse. Jamadis and I practice this. We confess our sins to one another. Whether they're against each other or not, just our sins to one another. And we're a safe place for each other. We don't condemn each other. We say things like, that's not you. That's not who you really are. You're in him. That's not who you really are. Spouses, make it a plan. Plan what you would say if they come to you and confess. I'm not saying there's no pain. I'm not saying ignore. Like, that hurts. Oh, that doesn't hurt there. I'm a safe place of confession. I bless you. No. Be honest, but be safe. Are you hearing me? Singles, if you're participating in sexual immorality, you're damaging your future union. And God will heal it. Amen? But why give him more to heal? He got plenty already. Come on, somebody. Why make the job harder? He, it's, nothing's impossible for him, but why make it look impossible? You know? This house, line in the sand. 
is going to have a pure gospel. From this day on, we are going to have a pure gospel. Because sexual immorality will not be named among us. It won't be named among us. That's not, that doesn't mean you hide it. It means we're going to get healed. And we're not going to walk in it. And culture can win. You understand? You can get drafted into a culture. Right? Some of you, you've never worshipped like you've worshipped here. Some of you are worshipping in new ways. What happened? You stepped into a culture of worship. Right? Some of you never raised your hands or clapped or danced, but you're dancing and clapping. Why? Because that's the culture here, right? Culture wins every time. So we will have a culture of sexual purity, and that will help you. It will draft you in. But I'm asking you to be contributors to that culture so that others can come in. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Is anyone thankful for the word? Thank you for your word, Lord Jesus, that you are speaking to us, and you are longing for us to walk in purity, therefore, so that we can walk in power. Lord, you want our gospel to be pure so that it is powerful. So God, we say yes to the power of your gospel that comes through the purity of it. And Father, I ask for great boldness and great grace. Come on, say that with me, church. Great grace. Empower us, Lord, to confess. Empower us, Lord, to walk in righteousness. Empower us by your spirit because we can't will our way in. We can't struggle our way in. We're only going to receive it, Lord, as a gift from your hand. So, Lord, we receive your grace to walk in holiness, in purity, so that we can proclaim a pure gospel to those around us. And, Father, I pray for anyone here who doesn't know you personally, that has not actually died and rose again, in the spirit, I pray that they would not be able to leave the room, that they would have to come down to this team, and they would say, what must I do to be saved? Father, I thank you for the free gift of forgiveness. I thank you, Lord. You forgave me for those 10 years of porn addiction before I even did it. You delivered me. You healed me. God, we're grateful. This is your work. And, Lord, we say that is just one of many testimonies to come. And you are going to heal marriages. You are going to heal hearts. You're going to heal damage from sexual trauma. You're going to do it, Lord, as we walk in the light with you. So, Lord, we thank you for your healing light to come. Oh, Jesus. And, Lord, we release, I release every couple here, every married couple, to walk in power for the gospel, to display Christ in the church. I also release great grace over every single here who will be married one day. I release power in the waiting, power to stand strong, power to value what you value. Lord, I call it from the inside out, from your spirit in them, I call it up. And I say, Lord, empower us. Empower us to walk worthy of the calling we've received, which is the beloved. I pray every person here would walk out and be loved, receiving your love and participating in it and being a vessel of love for others. So, Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for setting the house in order. And, God, we receive your next blessing. We receive the blessing 
of God over this house because of these things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Was that helpful? That was helpful? Okay. Okay. Make sure to get your, your kiddos, your giants and world changers from TRP Kids before you come down for prayer. But other than that, we'll see you next week for the final installment of Family First. Bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.